Today on the Susquadcast, we have Trey Coleman. Trey was the chaplain at this year's Susquea family camp, and he sat down with Peter and I to discuss his chapel messages on family and friendship, share a little bit about himself and his work at the ministry called Gospel-Centered Family, and share some more personal anecdotes. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. If you're listening to this as of its release, you still have time to join us for our annual Harvest Festival and trail run. That's this Saturday, September 16th. So make plans to come on out, run in the trail run, eat some sticky buns, eat some new Sasquatchets or Susquistew hot pockets. Bring your kids out to the Kid Zone. It looks to be a fantastic day. For more information about that, visit our website at susqua.org. Thanks for joining us around the proverbial campfire. Let's listen in. All right, well, welcome listeners around the proverbial campfire. Joining us today is a first-time chaplain. Uh, so, Trey, I assume you answered all of the the show prep questions yep. in essay format, and mm-hmm. you're ready to go. Long-form answers. Wait, yeah. assume you didn't read his answers, Dave? Well, you know, we we only pick the best chaplains here, so I, I trust that he's just it was a rigorous, enough rigorous application process for sure. That, that's right. So, and since you are here for the first time yeah. this week, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I, um, man, professionally, I guess I was a, a pastor for a number of years at a church in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, was a family, kids and families pastor. Um, so did six years of that kind of working through, um, you know, with parents and then with kids from birth to, uh, fifth grade, which is where kind of middle school student ministry starts. So that's kind of my background. And then the last, we kind of left that church, uh, almost three years ago and have been working for a blog the last couple of years, gospelcenteredfamily.com. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ads, but, uh, that's a free one that I'm just going to sneak in there. Gospel centered family. So I do some writing there. There's a we'll newsletter. Actually, we'll take that ad there you out go. of just, your honorarium. Just edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have like a weekly newsletter that goes up and then we do some writing, we do some editing and there's some ministry coaching that we do for kids ministry, student ministry, uh, special needs ministry, different stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah. So we've, we've written a book recently, so that's coming out in September, which is exciting. Uh, a family devotional book with like a catechism that's kind of tied to video games. So hopefully that's a good resource for kind of first time families who are exploring kind of family discipleship stuff for the first time. So we're really excited to get that in people's hands this fall, but, uh, yeah. And so it's been, it's been fun to come here and teach, um, and do some of that stuff. And, and I'll further this plug. I am on your email list. I yes. get the Gospel Center family emails. They're usually written by you. They, yeah, and they always check, are now. I mean, yeah. I've actually just kicked Jared off the account, so it's just nice. me now. <laughs> if you check your analytics, you'll see that I open those emails most of the time. Now that I've met you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and check. You're not just a name on my spreadsheet anymore. You are <laughs> Peter Swift friend. So yeah, that's great. Well, thanks for reading. Well, I didn't say I read that. I said I opened the email. <laughs> that's fine. I, if you could just click like I'm two of the four links sure every time you, yeah, to keep those to, analytics moving, that'd be great. Yeah. So you mentioned the forthcoming family, I don't know if devotional book yeah, is the, the right is, term. It is, yeah, um, I think it is. I mean, since you used most of Chapel today plugging that book, R- right. I feel like we yeah, should learn a little a more lot. about you it. You did, uh, but I don't think you mentioned at Ch- Chapel that it is video game themed. Is oh, that, is that right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. So it's called Faith Builder Catechism. Uh 
yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Uh, aside from yes, it is video game themed. So there's 52 weeks. So we. How, how does one create a video game themed devotion? Well, one plays a lot of video games. That's the first step. Um, and so we've been doing. I've been doing just extensive research so that I could make all the uh, allusions and connections that I needed. Um, my wife comes in all the time. She's like, "What are you doing on the Xbox?" I'm like, "I'm working, babe. What are you talking about?" I'm sure, she's well aware. She's she's ready. She's ready. Um, but yeah, so we have a catechism that we're working through 52 weeks. And so every week there's a question. And so our introduction is basically kind of tying it to a video game or a movie or just some sort of like kind of content that kids will be familiar with at this point. And then every week, uh, the, the book is kind of divided up into levels. So if you've ever played like Super Mario Brothers, where you have like that big kind of wide open level and like a little path in between it. So each kind of lesson is a little dot on the map. And so once your kids and your family kind of lock down the the catechism question and the answer they've got it memorized there's a sweet little sticker you can pull from the back of the book pop it on the level and then that way you know you're kind of through that that specific part of the level and they're all themed out and like i didn't do any of the graphic design i I can't remember the guy's name that did it but it's really cool it looks awesome um we had this idea told them about it and then got this stuff back and we're like whoa you guys went even further than we thought you were going to this is so cool so neat um so yeah we're really hopeful that, that families will find it a useful thing. Um, a lot of family devotionals are just so complicated. It's like you've got to read six things and like prep a craft and do this and do that. This is hopefully a really good first step for folks. They can come in, just need a Bible, the book and 10, 12 minutes to kind of talk through stuff. And you kind of get to do a little bit of everything. You get to talk with your kids, read the Bible with your kids, ask some questions. There's prayer prompts. Like hopefully it'll be really, really good and really helpful and really fun. So that's the plan anyway. That's great. Yeah. So we got the Cliff Notes version of your professional bio. Yeah. Did you set out to become, you know, the family pastor, the family ministry guy? What was that journey like? Not even a little bit. Uh, I I do have an MDiv from seminary. I went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary uh, and got an MDiv in Christian Ministries, which is like the most generic uh, MDiv that you can get. Um, there's very specific tracks for like missions and theology and language. I didn't want to do any of that. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Probably shouldn't have been to seminary in the first place, but yeah, I, I loved it. It was great, but I took the one that let me take the most electives. Um, but none of those electives had anything to do with family ministry. Um, so we were serving as I was volunteering in a church, leading community groups, doing a lot of like assimilation stuff. So membership, baptism, all those sorts of things. Um, and in fact, I never even dropped my kids off at kids ministry. My wife, I was too busy. You know, I was too important for that. My, my wife even took care of it. So she served with kids forever. And I was kind of on the other, the other side of things working with adults. Um, but yeah, graduated seminary. Uh, we were kind of wondering what was going to be next. We actually had taken a, a trip to, to Gatlinburg, just my wife and I, kids were gone, parents watched them. And I got a text from one of the pastors who was like, Hey, can we meet whenever you get back? Uh, I want to talk to you about something. And so I was like, yeah, it's fine. No problem. He's a friend. Didn't think anything about it and scheduled it, walked in like the the next day after we got back and I walk into his house and on the coffee table, I can see like all these documents with like Sojourn Kids logos on them. And I was like, oh, what's this? Like I knew there was a job opening, but never even considered like that this was something that I could do or would be interested in. Um, but they, he had, he had had the role before and was moving on to like an executive pastor role. And, um, yeah, he just kind of laid out like, listen, we, we think you'd be great at this. I, I really, we realize you don't have any, <laughs> uh, 
you know, experience with kids, but what you do have working with groups and people and meeting everybody as they come in, you have this vast kind of array of, of knowledge of, of people. And we, we need to build a team of volunteers. It takes a lot of hands to kind of pull this off week to week. Would you be interested and consider like thinking through this? And so we talked and prayed with my wife and, you know, just, we, we love the church so much. Um, it was never something that I was interested in or like thought would be a possibility, but we, we wanted to serve wherever they thought there was a need. And the, the folks who were leading, you know, seemed to think we'd be a good fit and had something to offer kind of in that regard. And so we were, we were happy to jump in and kind of learn as we went, uh, figuring out kind of what it looked like to be a, a, a kid's guy, kids and families guy. And so, yeah, steep learning curve, but it was, it was a lot of fun. So. How have your own kids handled the the transition. It's hard enough to be a pastor's yeah, kid, for sure. let alone to be the kid of the kid's pastor. And and I imagine there there might come even heightened eyeballs on them and an awareness of their their own uh, behavior, depending on, on the church. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, it's a it was a fairly large church, um, but there wasn't a ton of it, it was it was a big church, but it was also a very like you know grace comes first type place. Like there's a lot of freedom and and flexibility, and people were super chill with like you know expectations for kids. And ours are you know right there, probably somewhere in the middle. Like they're not the craziest, but like they're not the most rule following uh, kids in the bunch either. But uh, they they actually loved it because they got to be it. They felt special because they got to be there to like set up classrooms or like, you know, I'd bring them to work with me occasionally and they just wander the kids hallways and feel like they could kind of, you know, have the run of the place while no one else was there and play with the toys and, uh, you know, eat goldfish whenever they want. There was a, they, they still tell me, cause again, we, we've, we've left that church since then, but every once in a while they'll be like, do you remember there was that chocolate bowl in your office that like we used to just sneak in all the time and we'd come get candy bars. It, it wasn't actually my office. It was like the conference room. There's just always a candy bowl and they were, that's really, I think that's the only reason they ever wanted to come to the office was to just get like Snickers bars and Kit Kats and Twix and stuff like that. Um, so they, they loved that part of it. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a ton of, you know, undue expectation on them. I don't think, I hope they don't feel that way, but, um, they, they enjoyed it. And so they still, they still asked, they're like, dad, are you going to be a pastor again sometime? Like, I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see what the Lord does and where he leads. But, um, yeah, they, they loved it. They loved being a part of the church. They loved Mabel in particular, oldest. She liked like helping with babies and she got to kind of bend some of the policies a little bit to, to get her in those rooms to, to, to rock babies and, you know, play with them and stuff like that. So she loved it. This, I mean, this is just quality additions from the director. I think the only reason I go into our office every day is because Monique has a big jar of M&Ms. It works. And for a couple of weeks this summer, the M&M jar was empty. Mm-hmm. And those were some, Dave, I mean, those are some rough weeks. Yeah, that's, that's a hardship. I don't know is if I went into the office the at M&Ms, all. Or is that like a director problem? What's the, I, I actually, I, re, budget cuts? I refilled the M&M jar one time. Mm. I bought a bunch of uh, bags of M&Ms. Turns out they're very expensive. Like when you're buying, like I had no idea how expensive M&Ms are, especially I didn't realize how many big ba- family sized bags of M&Ms you'd need to fill this jar. Um, Fish aquarium. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, but uh, since then I'm like, no, no, Monique can buy those M&Ms. <laughs> I don't think she's going to listen to the podcast, but yeah, if she does, thank you, Monique. Those M&Ms are, are, that's a, another amazing gift that you do for all of us here at Susquehanna. This may be a bit controversial, uh, since, well, well, we're known for our hot takes on this podcast, but I am not a fan of M&Ms. 
I I actually I don't think I've ever taken from Monique's M and M jar. So a clarifying question: Are you opposed to all M and M's or just like the regular basic M and M's? Peanuts, peanut butter, cookie centers. Like there's so many versions now. Well, yeah. And this I, jar is usually an amalgamation of all of them. Oh, okay. It's like so you, you, really you grab a handful and it's it like could a party. It could be like a cappuccino caramel. Mm-hmm. It could be a brownie, which those are not so good. Uh, it could be regular. It could be peanut butter. It could be peanut. It could be caramel. could be... I mean, it's great. And this this may be part of the reason, but I don't think I've had anything except for mm. the classic M&M. I've, I've never had peanut M&Ms, and there are, there are reasons for that we don't need to get into okay. right now, but... Can you have peanut butter? I, I can. Okay. Well, I can now. No, okay. let's I, I let's could... get into this, Dave. Let's dive in. Uh, this I, is, I, this I, is I would what just stand for <laughs> peanut butter M and M's. Uh, you can keep all the planes. The peanuts are fine. Peanut butter M and M's are like one of God's good gifts. So something that will be news to Trey and many of our listeners, I'm sure, is I, I was born with a disorder that was anti M and M disorder. An anti M and M disorder. So no, no M and M's allowed. No, it it was actually treated by a low protein diet, okay. and so peanut butter has a decent amount of protein. Yeah. And so in addition to a host of other things that I could never eat before, like meat dairy and so on uh, i had, i had never had peanut butter until a few years ago i started new meds and during covid like everyone picked up covid hobbies right so yeah. my new covid hobby was trying all these foods that i'd never had before in you know tw- my 28 years up to that point and now you're back was, in the mix yeah peanut butter meat bacon for the first time imagine that yeah. Uh, yeah so there were some foods that i feel like were overhyped but bacon was not one of them that that lived up to the hype did you like get a, get together with the staff so everyone could watch like dave tries bacon for the first time dave tries peanut butter for the first time like, yeah that seems there, like there a fun some idea for maybe like a that. podcast it's, it's like we're gonna have a campfire and dave's gonna have his first hot dog yeah. like that, i was there awesome. for dave's first hot dog it was glorious that's a great youtube channel right there you know yeah Just dave I, tries new stuff looking back i should have you know because you can become a youtubist like that it's these all, days it's all content baby uh, it's as, all content you know, as as our own D Swizzle will attest to, it's yeah. it's apparently not very hard to become YouTube famous. Is that our is that our one D Swizzle mention that's required per podcast? Are we good now? That, that's right. Yeah, we yeah. can pass that. We're on. we're good. Well, let let let, us, let me try to get us back on track. Sorry if that was my fault. Moving on to the M and M's, so I'll Monique, take the responsibility. I'm sorry. It's really Monique's fault. If you think that's true. It. Yeah, it, yep. Monique. Since she's not listening. If, yeah. if she listens, she can lodge a formal complaint. Yeah. Um, so a uh, question I have is kind of more related to uh, your topic this week. Um, and I, I assume, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, we'll probably be publishing some of the content that you've been sharing with the family campers this week. And for those li- that are listening, Whoa, Trey, no, one, no one said that. Just to uh, be That clear. was in your contract. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> terrifying. All right. Go ahead. Go um, ahead. So during, uh, for those don't, that are listening. Don't worry. The SD card filled up. Okay. And I didn't know it. So we missed a couple. So we, But we're, we're back on track now. We'll, I'll, I'll give you the notes. It's much better to read than to listen to, probably. So for those that are listening, Trey is our uh, chaplain for Susquehanna Family Camp, what used to be called Homeschool Family Camp. This is our first week of family camp of the summer. Um, and he's here in 2023. Uh, he's our, he's teaching, bringing the chapels every day, as well as staff prayer every morning. And one of the themes that you've, uh, talked on the, the, probably the consistent one is that, uh, is progress over perfection, yeah. uh, which I, I really appreciate that. Um, 
I don't think many people would accuse me of being a perfectionist. So that's, that, that fits well for me. I like that. Good. Um, but, uh, today specifically you spoke about friendship and the need for some like close friends and developing those friendships. And that's actually, I mean, to, to be honest, that's, that's a, a major emphasis of Susquehanna. And, uh, you kind of nailed it recognizing that like, boy, this is a great place to make friends. Yeah. This really, uh, you are in a, in a place where, I mean, you, if you're here, you probably want to be here. Uh, most likely, or your parents forced you to come. But either way, you're you're here, and you probably have some. There, there's a lot of commonality that's already happened. So some of the some of the pre work, like the small talk work, is kind of already resolved. Yeah. And here you are able to make friends. But I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about like how um, progress over perfection applies to the process of coming up with some friendships. Because I thought you had some really great things to say this morning about that. Yeah, I really wish I would have brought my notes to have in front of me um, so that I could tell you more about what I actually said today. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, just that that idea of, I feel like so many of us, for, for friendships in particular, want this... Um, you know, we have this lofty goal of what what a what a best friend or what like a, a close friend can be, and uh, there's a lot of weight and there's a lot of pressure to like make it happen quickly because you 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 have this desire to have someone to to share your life with, to talk about problems with, to encourage, to be encouraged by all these different things. Um, but but friendship is messy, right? Like it it takes a certain amount of uh, vulnerability. Like you've got to be able to put yourself out there, like. To, to share some things about yourself in the hopes that like that's reciprocated in some way that it's not completely rejected. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is what you struggle with. Or I can't believe you think like this, or I can't believe you believe this. I'm hitting eject on this. We're, we're done. Like, um, so I think there's that, that fear of rejection or that fear that like the thing that you want, the friendship that you want is not the same that, that they want. Um, and so you, you, I don't know, you like build this up in your head, but this idea of progress over perfection, like things are never going to be perfect, right? Like they're going to, you're going to get sinned against, you're going to sin against other people. Things are going to get messy. You're going to rub someone the wrong way, but like there's, there's grace for that. There's, there's an ability to come and to ask, ask for forgiveness, to ask someone to, you know, just continue to engage with you and continue to offer up, um, yeah, encouragement and insight and wisdom and rebuke and correction and, and all those things that come with like good gospel friendships. Like we need people to speak truth to us. We don't see things clearly all the time. Right. Um, I, I don't see things clearly. I'll, I'll use I statements. I don't see things clearly all the time. And so I need other brothers that can come in and say, Hey man, like we heard the way you talked to your wife at dinner the other night. It didn't seem cool. Or like we, we heard you yelling at your son for something that did not warrant being yelled at. Um, mm. you know, uh, and so just being able to have other guys that, that have, uh, I think I talked about this morning, just like a green light, basically like free reign to, to come in, to speak in because you trust them. Um, they've, they've demonstrated themselves faithful and, and true and knowledgeable in, 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 you know, the doctrines of grace and justification, all these other things, but you, you, you trust them to speak in, you trust them to, to say, Hey man, like this isn't cool. Let's, let's talk about what's kind of brought you to this point. And what's it going to look like to kind of seek forgiveness, to seek growth, to seek kind of moving forward? Um, but yeah, it, it's it's difficult, right? It's a difficult thing to to invite someone into. Now, this is not an effort to get you canceled or anything like that, but I am I am curious to get your take on um, how men develop these friendships compared to women developing these friendships, and if it, you know, are there differences? Yeah. Um, and you don't need to necessarily go into the why, but I'm just, yeah, yeah. I assume there's differences. I mean, I'm not a woman, um, but I, I am in fact, a hot take listener. Um, mm -hmm. but 
you know, we, so taking the, the, the woman that I know the best is, is my wife. And we, a lot of the friendships that we have built together, we built through community groups. That's that small groups, home groups, whatever you call them at your church or whatever. We, we went to a, a larger church. And so a lot of what we did kind of flowed through community groups, mission, discipleship, all this different stuff. Um, and so we led groups together, but the way that she, um, kind of grew friendships with women was, was definitely different than the way that, um, I grew friendships with men. I feel like, again, I'll just speak to men. So the guys that I'm closest with, there's some sort of, um, shared experience, shared interest, shared, whatever. So, for me, it, it's sports. I found out at family camp that's not like a common denominator for many people here. Some of the sports references I've made, I'm like, you guys don't know who Kobe Bryant is or whatever. It's fine. We'll, we'll work around it. We'll make it happen. Um, but there's like this shared something uh, that we have in common, a favorite restaurant or wings or drinks or, you know, a sports team or whatever. We live in Louisville, Kentucky, big basketball town, uh, big basketball university. They thought they were kind of a football school for a minute. They've <laughs> since kind of let go of those delusions. Um, and so like just a lot of stuff happens around those events. Like it's really easy to calendar stuff. It's really easy to get together. It's really easy to start conversations because you're already there doing something else. And there's also a lot of down, you ever been to a football game? There's like downtime all the time, timeouts, commercials, everything else. So there's just like built in kind of room for small talk and conversation. And that stuff tends to lead to, Oh, I didn't know. Like you have kids. Tell me about your kids. How old are they? You have a wife. What does she do? What do you do for a living? How does that work out? How long have you been at this church? What do you, do you serve anywhere? What does that look like? And so like, I don't know for me, just those like, it sounds kind of silly, but those sporting events or those like nights out, like grabbing dinner to watch a game while it's on or a fight or whatever. Like it's just, those places have been easy, um, easy entry points to conversation, easy entry points to get to know people. And then from there, once you go back to community group where there is more structured, like, tell me about your walk. Like, what have you been reading this week? What do you feel like the Lord's been teaching you? Where have you been growing in repentance or faith or, uh, you know, whatever. Um, those conversations are a lot less awkward and there's a lot less like dudes just staring at each other because there mm -hmm. already is this baseline of like, okay, we, we have this, these, at least some sort of shared experience and some sort of like language to talk about things. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And, and just a quick sidebar, uh, cause I, I am kind of a sports guy. Sweet. Um, not, maybe not to the extent that Dave and Davis and some of the other, our other staff are, but college basketball is my thing. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed you wearing a university of Kentucky sweatshirt the other day yeah, and man. you're from Louisville. Well, How, how's that work? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not from Louisville. I okay. live in Louisville. It's okay. very different. So here's the deal about Kentucky hoops. I thought maybe you were just very ashamed of Louisville with all of the issues that have gone on in that university over the last few years. Not even a little bit. Here's the thing. If you do not, if you live in Kentucky and you don't grow up in Louisville, you're more or less like 95% of everyone else in the Kentucky state, fan. Kentucky fan. Yeah. If you grew up in the city of Louisville, 95% of them, U of L fans. And so I grew up in Bowling Green, about an hour and a half South of Louisville. Uh, my mom went to UK. My grandfather was like an avid. He wouldn't even watch the tele, like he would watch the telecast. He wouldn't listen to it. He'd turn the TV on and then he would turn on the radio. Oh, that is the, the best way to watch any move. sports. The real old man move. Um, and so just from a young age, it uh, was instilled in me this love of Kentucky basketball. I remember sitting in my grandparents on their green carpet watching Christian Leitner shoot the shot 
and then having to relive it every stinking March when it comes back. At least watch a March. The worst. The worst. Um, and the stomp. You get all. You get all kinds of great memories. Whole, reminded the you. Whole thing. So yeah, uh, big Kentucky basketball guy. Yes. Um, so yeah, I didn't mean to insult anyone at Family Camp by saying that they're not sports fans. One of the questions at Susqu- Susqua Jeopardy was. What's Peter's favorite sports team? And a couple of the, or basketball team, maybe I can't remember how specific it was, but a couple of the answers were like not pretty so, off base, right? So, so yeah. you, you're, I was actually get, like, given your affinity for Kentucky and the fact that you live in Louisville, I was going to kind of keep my my fandom of Duke yeah. under wraps. I was going to bring it up, but since you already know, it's out there. I threw up a still, little in my mouth when I heard the answer. I was I was truly appalled. And yet but, you've treated me all right today. You you even brought me a cold brew. I, f- I forgot about that. Honestly, I just. <laughs> Walled that part of my brain off so that we. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, but back to the friends though. I I I do. I well, this is good though. That that clarifies because I was I was confused by the sweatshirt. Demonstrate how you can maintain friendships with people that are just diametrically opposed to you. Exactly. And I mean, there aren't that many. I mean, everybody hates Duke. But no one, no one hates Duke like Kentucky fans. This is a fair point. Like even Carolina fans. Carolina fans, it's part of your upbringing. It's part of your yeah. life. It's it's a cultural thing to hate yeah. Duke, but you don't necessarily. It's 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 more of like a, I don't know, almost traditional. Kentucky fans have some very good reasons to hate Duke and Christian Leitner specifically, and that's that's a like it's it's deep, and it I don't think it's going to go away ever. Um, that that's I'll a, never I'll never like Christian Leitner. I watched a documentary about him. They paint him in a very like sympathetic light. Oh yeah. He's, he's still the worst. Yeah. JJ Reddick is the one Duke guy that I've come around on. Like as a really? commentator now, a podcaster, I, I love him. He big fan of JJ Reddick. Hated him as a player. Couldn't stand him. He's great now. Love him. Love well, everything he does on ESPN. And, all the and other tell stuff. you what, he's great. What an amazing like that that dude had an NBA career, yeah. like a, a very oh. good NBA career that I don't think anyone anticipated. Uh, uh, I, I certainly didn't. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you was thought, around yeah, the league he, for forever. Everybody said he, well, he peaked in college. There's no, and, yeah. and he didn't draft particularly well, Yeah, but, and he didn't, his first few years, he wasn't, you know, he came off the bench. Yeah. He was known as just a spot up shooter. And like, then ended up being like, I don't know how many times he was an all-star, but he, he had some serious contracts. Made, made and, a good living. Yeah. yeah. He did and really he's, well. He's still doing really well. Yeah. yeah. So back to friendship again. Sorry. Almost Take three. back to friendship again. <laughs> well, no, we can get back to friendship. I, I do like the idea though that um I, I do think, and maybe this is I don't know if this is a crucial difference, but it is a difference, is that guys guys tend to need that other thing. Mm-hmm. The justification for gathering. Yep. Um I, I think that's consistent. Whereas I'm not sure, and uh, I hope this doesn't make me sound like a you know, particularly sexist person, but in, in talking about this is a a conversation with my wife and a conversation in our office and a conversation with a lot of people we have a lot. Whereas uh, for women, there's value in the relationship itself. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always need the third thing to get to where you need to be. Yeah. Uh, but for us, we need that third thing. But I guess my question is, and, and you mentioned using home groups or using those things as that's where you get to the real, like the, the experiences, that's where you get to the baseline, that's where you get the knowledge of each other. So there's a comfort level. And then you go to the next level when you're having these more formalized or guided conversations and relationship building. Um, Let's say your, you know, your friends aren't part of your home groups. Yeah. How do you, how do you turn that? Like what does progress look like to move those? um, And I'll just full disclosure. I get together with a group of friends that I've I've been friends with most of my life. Yeah. In in fact, some of them, all of my life. Um, You you mentioned this morning during chapel, how our parents don't, you know, we teenagers don't want parents. 
our parents chose all of our friends. Yeah, yeah. All, mo- most of your yeah. friends are are children of your parents' friends. That's just how friends work. Correct. Yeah. Um, proximity and like there's those things are that's what that's what develops like probably eighty percent of friendships. But yeah. um, but anyhow, I, I get together with these friends for breakfast every few weeks and we love our time together and it's like you know we could be apart for 10 years and get back and it'd be like no time has passed yes. um but those conversations and I, I don't know if any of them listen to this but I'll, I'll i'll be vulnerable and open on this those conversations for the most part do not get beyond the surface yeah we talk about things like mutual interests we talk about things we'd like to do we pass you know an hour and a half over coffee and breakfast like that we look enjoy it we'd look forward to coming back and I, th- I think they are, I'm not saying they're unhealthy friendships, but, you know, my wife will ask me a question about how someone's doing after I, I've, you know, and I'll be like, I, I have no idea. Yeah. I, so how... Absent- you, just, you just hang out with, you just hung up with him a few days ago, so... Right, yeah, but... <laughs> she doesn't understand. It, it yeah. could be like immediately following that breakfast and she'll ask me about like, oh, how's their so-and-so, their, you know, their child doing with this or how's this? Uh, oh, I... I should know that and I should care about that. Yeah. But we spent our whole time talking about like this cool flashlight we both like or something. I, right. I that that's yeah. actually probably likely probably like flashlights <laughs> and socks. That's a common common topic for us. But uh, that's funny. Um, but so what do I do to move those conversations? Because um, I, I believe they are believers. Yeah. Uh, the, these these men uh, love the Lord. Um, they worship you know in different churches than than me. We're not. We don't. Uh, none of us go to the same church. Uh, we're probably never going to be in the same home group together. We may get together with families from time to time, but yeah. Um, yeah. Show me what progress looks like in, in that case. How can we? How can I move those conversations to uh, a deeper level so we can have more than a surface friendship? Yeah, I mean, I think so. It's tricky. In some ways, it's tricky. In some ways, it's really not. Like you, someone has to like be the leader, right? And it's it's true of of anything, any organization. Even in a even in a home group, you can be in a home group or a small group or whatever you want to call them for a year and have the same thing happen, right? But someone, and this is one of the things we like would always train our group group leaders for, like if you're not vulnerable, guess what? No one else is going to be. They're not going to be vulnerable either. They're going to sit there and they're going to talk about the same stuff that you're talking about. But if you start asking questions and you like prepare them, like, hey, this is. Again, I'm not saying every time you hang out and get breakfast every other week, you need to send out like an agenda of questions like, hey, hey, guys, this is what we're doing tonight. I'm not saying you can't, but yeah, I'm not actually, saying you have to. It doesn't sound like a bad idea, honestly. So wh- again, I, we talked about this this morning, or I talked about this this morning. Um, I, this, uh, I, I read a piece uh, about friendship from a guy who he was dying of cancer, uh, and he was kind of reflecting on friendships. And it, it sparked something in me. This was about a year ago. Where I was just like kind of in the same boat with you. The two guys that I'm closest with, we hang out all the time. Our families are super close. They carried us through COVID. Like they cared for us a ton uh, when we left the church and kind of we're, we're dealing with with some of that hurt or whatever. Um, they they brought us food. Like he encouraged me, talked us. You know, their wives and and their husband and the husbands. They're they're both so great. Um, but I, I realized about a year ago, I was like, we have not had like a, because we hadn't been doing like formal community group with like a list of questions and here's the passage we heard in the sermon this week and yada, yada, yada. We didn't have that anymore. So it was a lot of like, Hey, did you see the game? Did you see the race? So how are your kids doing? The weather's crazy, huh? Have you mowed your yard lately? Like all that stuff. And so I just realized like, 
I, I need this. Like I need this accountability. I need someone that can't, again, they know they have the green light, but I just wanted to remind them, like, I need you to take advantage of the green light that you have. Mm-hmm. I need you to ask me questions about my marriage. I need you to ask me questions about my parenting. I need you to ask me questions about whether or not I've read my Bible this week or like what I'm praying about. And so one of the guys, there's a thirsty Thursdays at this place called roosters. It's, they have like, the worst wings in Louisville, probably they're not great, but it's like a block from our house and they have a patio. So anyway, we go there for dinner uh, or he asked if we wanted to go there and like grab wings. I think it was a Thursday night. There was a foot, NFL football game on. I was like, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. Um, and then read that piece like the day before we were supposed to go. And I was like, Hey, here's an, just an FYI. It's still coming locked in. It's going to be great. Here's like five things I want to talk about. One of them was totally formula one related. We've, we've gotten into formula one racing, all three of us. So one of them was a definitely a formula one question, nothing to do with spiritual things. We 100% spent 45 minutes opening up that time together, talking about that one particular question, which is fine. But there were like four other questions that we also ended up working through, but it took someone saying like, Hey, this is, this is the agenda. Like I want to spend time with you guys. I'm happy to do the small talk thing. I, I, I love talking about race cars with y'all. I love it. I love talking about sports or movies or whatever TV we're watching. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I know that if we don't like write these things down and have them listed out in some way to work through them, these things aren't just going to naturally come up because it's more difficult, right? Those are more weighty conversations that's going to require you to actually listen and like engage, actively listen respond with questions that are going to like follow up and and draw more stuff out from them, give them opportunities to share, speak in some encouragement, speak in some rebuke, speak in some, some wisdom. If you have it, um, like listen to the spirit as he's kind of guiding you as you're listening. Like, are there any red flags going off? Is there anything like that seems out of the ordinary for you? Like what, you know, it's just, it's more work. It's harder work to just, to do that than it is to sit and talk about football or flashlights or socks or camp or whatever it is, you know? Um, so progress looks like, I think just like taking whatever rhythms you normally have for us, it's like dinner every week with these two or three families. Um, where it's typically a Friday or a Saturday night, we rotate houses. And so progress is here's three things we're going to talk about. And it may be like guys and girls, or it may be once a month or every other week you do, you know, you split up guys we tend to split up anyway. We'll have dinner. The girls will stay at the table. Usually the kids disappear to, you know, who knows where, but they're quiet or at least we can't hear them screaming wherever (laughs) they are. It's just fine. Uh, so the gals typically will stay at the table and the guys will migrate to a television or a couch or outside or whatever. And so just having like a set of questions, just three regular questions, what's your marriage look like? What's your parenting look like? What's your walk look like? Um, and just the, again, you're building habits, right? You're building habits over and over and over again. The first time it may feel weird. It may feel forced. It's like doing the, doing the same thing with your wife. Like it's not always easy if you fall out of the habit of reading the Bible with your wife or praying together with your wife. Like you're, and you're, you're saying we should be doing those things. I'm saying okay. you probably should be. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not uh, part of my thing. I don't want to be like, you know, overbearing with this stuff. I'm not saying it has to happen like for an hour every single day. I'm not saying we can't have fun with our friends. I'm not saying you can't have fun with your wife. Mm-hmm. Date night should not be like a test and an exam. Go have a nice dinner. Laugh. Talk about the dumb Instagram videos that you like thought were hilarious that you texted each other the night before. That's fine. But also every once in a while or like on a regular basis, whatever that looks like, once a month, once a quarter, whatever, talk about some goals. Talk about 
what you want to do as a couple, as parents, as that's like marriage, friends. What do you want to do as friends? Like what, what do you want to happen? How can I encourage you to get to the next level of husbanding or dadding or whatever the thing is? How can we spur each other on to like whatever that next level is? Like what, what's a win look like for you as a husband? What's a win look like for you as a dad? Do you feel like you're going to be able to get there? Do you feel like you need me to push you on something? Do you feel like me texting you twice a week to say, Hey, have you done this thing as a reminder or just as like a checkpoint? Is that going to be helpful to you? Probably it will be, but I don't know, you know, so just being able to have someone speak in and ask questions and then be open and honest enough with one another, um, to engage, like it it makes, makes a big difference. I I like the idea of, of agendas for getting together. I think that would be like, and and I also like the idea of like, you know, the, the, even the ratio, like 45 minutes on, for me, it wouldn't be F1 racing, it'd be socks, but 45 minutes on socks then like 10 minutes on these other things. But at least that would be progress. You're talking about them. It's. And that does expose to everybody that you can talk about those things. Yeah. I think that's that's good. Uh, but just now, being willing to put yourself out there to do it. Like sure. someone's got to lead the way. And the, if there's resistance, like that's a different conversation. But most guys are, I don't think, going to push back super hard because once you bring it up, like they, they realize like they know yeah, what we, they should be should, doing. We should right? be talking about that. They yeah. know what the conversations are going to be helpful to them. And they know that socks, Formula One, flashlights, while it will be fun, is not going to like grow them in really any real meaningful way. Um, so, well, you, know, you may have just not worn really good socks. Maybe I haven't. Yeah. I, I'm just boring old Nikes today. So I need to we'll sock free. We'll have that conversation yeah. offline. Yeah. Can point me so, so this might get us maybe too deep and move beyond what you talked about this morning. Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot with this question re- related though. Do you think there's been a cultural shift in how those friendships, like when you think of your parents and their friendships or grandparents and their friendships, do you see those friendships ha- have having more weight maybe than our friendships today? Uh, both specifically like in your experiences, but also like generally in, across the culture. Yeah. Um, I'll speak to my experience first. My parents had at least, there were two couples kind of similar to us. They were super close with, they, my, my parents raced cars. This is weird. has nothing to do completely separate from formula one, like road racing stuff before they had kids. And so these two other couples, they were bootleggers in Kentucky is what I'm hearing. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Running moonshine through the Hills. No, we lived in a city. Um, Anyway, they, they race little cars. They travel around uh, a couple of more mechanics. One of them, my mom and dad drove anyway. So they they had this like lifelong friendship with these two families. We ate pizza together all the time. We'd watch movies, yada, yada, yada. There wasn't like the gospel component to that piece for them, but there was this like regular idea of like, we're together, like we're in life together. And again, I was a kid, so I'm sure they were, I was off doing what my kids are doing now. I have no idea what's happening with my kids when they disappear. I'm sure my parents didn't care what I did. They just knew I wasn't in their lap or like screaming in their ear. And that was enough. So while I was doing, you know, whatever we were doing, I'm sure they were having like some sort of meaningful conversations about life or work or relationships or, or whatever. Um, so that was sort of modeled. And then we've kind of taken that um, and kind of couched it more just again, from our, again, really thankful for our church and like the emphasis on groups and relationships. And so that's always, at least for the last, you know, 15 years of our lives, um, have been there. And even really before that, um, there was a, a couple that led a Bible study when I was in college. I was a, a really young believer, um, had, had kind of recently come to faith or I'd, I'd come to faith at s- sometime before that, but like 
things got real. My relationship with Jesus got real uh, in college. Uh, things had shifted. And this couple of, you know, 35-year-old people uh, with their three young kids opened their home and cooked dinner for us every night. And this guy took me to lunch every week or every other week and just spent time with me. And so, I don't know, I feel like I've been really fortunate. The Lord has been really kind to put those relationships in my life that do feel like meaningful and like they matter um, and that there are, I don't know, like that, that have spurred me to grow and to think and to reflect and do things like that. But I also realize that's not the norm. I don't think like, it seems like culturally there's been a move toward like um, an inch, an inch deep a mile wide kind of thing. Yeah, quantity like, over quality. Correct. Yeah. And so like, I feel like, even my kids to some extent they're in elementary school and one starting middle school, but they have like a lot of friends and I feel, I, I kind of feel that same way too. Like you look at my Facebook profile, you're like, man, you're very popular Trey. But like, I don't know any of those people. Like I clicked yes because I knew their name from high school or college or whatever. But like, I haven't actually spoken to that person in years if, if at all. Um, and, and, so, and if they contact you, Unexpectedly, you assume it's like an Amway page. Right, yeah. exactly. Send me your number. Why? For money? Um, yeah, and so, uh, yeah, everything is measured in follower counts and likes and all this different stuff. And, again, we kind of talked about this this morning, but, like, those those people aren't showing up for you when, like, life gets real. You know, when you get the phone call that, that your mom's passed away or, you know, you lose your job unexpectedly or you get, like, you know, a bad medical test or your kid gets sick or whatever, like they might like your post when you like let people know about it, but they they're not say thoughts and prayers. Right. But they're what? not like, they're not showing up with food. They're not calling to say, Hey, like I saw this happened. What, what's going on? Talk me through it. Are you guys okay? Do you need anything? Like, can we come by? Can we take care of your kids while you're dealing with this? Like that, that I've been fortunate enough that that's happened to me, but like, there's not a lot of people that, that do that, you know? And so that's a, I don't know. The church, I think, is built to function in that way, but I, I, I don't know how often like it actually does, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's something that we've, um, you know, at Susquehanna here, we've, we've talked a lot about um, in some ways the, the death of friendship, or maybe not the death of friendship, but uh, just the changing cultural interpretation of what being yeah. a friend is. Certainly like the weakening of it, if yeah. it's not dead. Yeah, yeah it seems like... And, and I think that's like, uh, you know, to me, I think it's really important too. We, we've talked even on this podcast before about how, you know, our God is a relational God. We, yeah. we, you know, we know this from Genesis 1. You know, we, we know that God, you know, exists in Trinity. Even if the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, we know that, you know, we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that coexist in an eternal relationship with one another. Mm -hmm. And that's also what we are to model. That's part of our image bearing is modeling those relationships. Yeah. So we know that relationships are very, very important. And we also know how deadly important it is to resolve broken relationships, and uh, and we and if if that's a way we're modeling an infinite God, the value of those relationships must be really big, and they should be deep. Like the the quantity is is certainly, you know, it's, I, I, when I think of the the infiniteness of God, I don't. It's not the quantity of God. It's like the depth of God. Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, our relationships should, should be modeling that depth more than the, like the idea of many, uh, which is, I mean, that's a personal challenge for me. I think I, I, I love people and I get to know a lot of people and, but it is, a uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's often either it's a mile wide and inch deep. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I, I'm also blessed in a weird place where like here at Susquehanna, we already established, like you've got this like shortcut to relationships. 
uh, first of all, you have the commonality in Christ, yeah. which is huge. And that, I mean, that already makes us closer than brothers and sisters. That's already, yeah, that, yeah. That's, there's some serious depth there that we don't want to discount. Uh, and it goes further even here with like Susquehanna, we've got these like shared memories, shared traditions, shared you know, all these things that, that really help. So you feel, you often feel, and I hope I don't offend any of my camp friends, and also, but you, you get the impression that, boy, we're really, really close. But I think in some ways it's like we're really close to something similar, yeah, or like yeah. something, something else. Yeah. But I'm not always sure how close we are as like, you know, brother to brother. Yeah, and I think like that. Have friends, like have a lot of friends. That's not a bad thing. But I think <clears throat> at the end of the day, having really deep friendships, it's it's beautiful, it's lovely, like it's a gift from God, right? Um, but it's also challenging. Like it's a lot of work to carry the weight of burdens of someone else, and so I. I don't, there's just not that much bandwidth. You can't have those kinds of relationships with everybody you know. You don't have the time. You don't have like the emotional or relational capacity to be that engaged with that many people. Like you look at Jesus, he had 12 disciples, right? And even within the 12, like, well, one obviously went off the rails, but even within the 12, like he's got kind of even a more inner circle of the three. And so again, I, we don't have to be exactly the same as Jesus. I'm not telling you to have 12 like kind of good friends and then three great friends have friends. That's fine. They're you know, grace and freedom, whatever your conscience permits. But like even he realized his limits. And so if Jesus had limits on the time and the the depth that he could have in these friendships, chances are you have some limits too. And so just be wary of that as you're kind of thinking through this and wrestling with it and like, don't exhaust yourself. But friendship again is a two way street. So you want people that can care for you, but you've also got to be able to care for other people. And so if you stretch yourself across, you know, a dozen people, when are you going to see your kids? When are you going to see yeah. your wife? When are you going to like spend time with the Lord? When are you going to go to work? Like that's a full-time job to have 12 really deep, really like involved friendships. And again, I'm thankful for the guys that I have in my life. Um, but and, and there's some seasons where things are really easy and mm -hmm. there's not a lot of weight and like life is good and full of joy. And we get to just, there's, you know, we'll ask the questions, but the answers are like really encouraging. Like the Lord has been really kind. Things with my wife and I are awesome. Our kids seem like they're in a really good spot. They love school. They're chasing after Jesus. Uh, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying a fair amount. Like life is good. Awesome. Praise God. Like those are really easy yeah. conversations to have. Eventually the, something's going to happen. A wheel is going to fall off. Something's going to get dropped. Sin is going to enter into the picture and there's going to be work to do. And when all that happens, it, it can, it can be a lot. So um, you're kind of building up relational capital in the good times right. for the, for those hard times. Correct. Yeah. And that's a, that's a tough concept. I think for a lot of people, especially like when, uh, and, and I could be wrong about this. I don't, I don't, I mean, full I've known Trey, we met on Saturday, day four. Yeah, so this is this fourth day of our of our friendship. Mm -hmm. Now we we've talked on the phone a few times prior to that. I did, sure. and I've, I've read and listened to some things you've done. So I, and you subscribe to his email, that's, right? That's subscribe the, most to the email. Thing. Yeah. Dave will get you on there um, after we're finished today. Yeah. And uh, it's like Dave, yeah, I'll, I'll subscribe. Go direct it right to spam. There we go. <laughs> um, but we we we've I I assume personality-wise, you probably tend towards a little more gregarious, a little more extroverted. Correct. Um, and, and so do I. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me also making friends and even, even being, to some degree, even being vulnerable and talking about, you know, the hard things, not that hard for me. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I think, and in one ways I see that as an advantage, but I think it's in some ways too, like I, I want to make sure that we recognize there's, there's also introverts out there who, uh, the idea of meeting with someone and talking about anything, that's like, that is really hard. That's, and yeah. it's really scary. It's and, scary. and I don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to like make it seem like, well, you have to be at this level or anything. That's why I really like your, the idea of progress over perfection. Yeah. The idea is that you're moving in this direction and that it's not, um, and that I don't think friendship looks the same for everybody either. I don't think it's always, um, I, when I think of like the, the example I come back to all the time is, is Job and his friends. And, mm. uh, I mean, Job's friends get a bad rap, right? I mean, cause they, they get pretty, they, they get told off by God. In a pretty, I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't yeah, great for them to be fair. Way. Yeah. Now, now one of the friends, what, what's his name day? The last friend. Elihu. Yeah, he gets kind of. I don't understand exactly. This is he, he's ignored in the last few chapters. Skates, right. He skates, skates right away. He really yeah. does it. He said pretty much the same thing as the other friends. But anyhow, uh, the, there's a biblical scholars going to listen to this and be like, Peter, you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. And yeah. It's true, I don't. Um, but like, I think what's often ignored in as we like make fun of all of Job's friends and how how badly they misunderstood what was going on and how they sat with him for eight days before they opened their mouth. Yeah, that's the kind of friends they were. That's, I don't think. Sorry, all of my good friends. I, I've never sat with someone for a day. I mean, I've sat with people in hospitals for periods of time, but like, yeah, eight days without speaking a word. That's spectacular. I don't think I could do that, and I think that's, uh, you know, to me, that's also a good reminder that like, you know, our introverts have. Uh, amazing ways of expressing love, building relationships, and connecting with others that looks different than maybe what we're talking about a little bit. And we, and I just want to throw that in there to throw throw in a bone to our our introvert listeners, um, if if oh, there are great. any or all the ones that are there, because I think that's this is important for all of us. And even the idea that building this relational capital in the good times, so you're prepared for the bad. I think that's because you, you mentioned this morning, bad times are coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, God's word is clear uh whether it's this you know the idea that we're, we're to build on rocks instead of on sand uh not if storms come because but because storms are coming or james one like we're uh the, it, it's not trials and tribulations might come mm-hmm. it's they are coming and this is what you need to do with that well and i think back to the touching on controversy here but covid lockdowns when i think even introverts got to the point where uh, regardless of of how much you agree in hindsight with with the approach we as a culture took but when you had such prolonged time with yeah. very limited opportunities yeah. for face-to-face interaction and the the reality is like virtual interactions do not have the same kind of incarnational em, embodied yeah. presence and so i think even introverts of which i i think i can lean that way you've uh, been very start, quiet during this podcast started to yeah. to realize like how much interpersonal interaction still still matters mm-hmm. and that's Something that, um, again, thinking about, I don't know if it was yesterday or, or the day before, Trey, you were talking about the uh, 
tendency for some to be spiritual slackers mm -hmm. and some to be spiritual perfectionists. Yeah. It, it seems like they're, they're always on track with their Bible reading. They're, they're checking it off every day. And so in one sense, you would think like, if we have a slacker, then we need to get him over here to being a perfectionist. Yeah. But that wasn't, wasn't the case. Like yeah, yeah. it's the perfectionist needs God's grace yeah. just as much as for the, sure. the slacker again, because it's not about getting it perfect. And the the thing about relationships is we can never get them perfect because they're they're so right. messy. But again, like like we've been saying this whole time, the progress over perfection. And uh my my silence during this podcast is just another example of why I like doing it because I get the excuse to, you know, ask someone to to talk with me for an hour and it's yeah, that's, that's great. Um, great but yeah i mean so just back to your point whether it's like spiritual disciplines or friendships or kind of anything like this idea of progress over perfection everyone's got a next step like whether you're like i'm a seven day a week bible reading prayer journaling uh you know fasting feasting super christian like there's still probably like another step like you could still be more faithful like even than that i don't know what that looks like but there's still something else for you to like lay on top of that or like another way to kind of find time to be with the lord another way for you to grow another way for you to deepen that relationship the same is true of like the, the slacker right the person doing nothing like their first step might be easier and more straightforward and whatever the same is true of friendship like regardless of kind of where you fall on that introvert extrovert there's not a one size fits all this is, this is friendship for everybody. And so like, there's, there's something for all of us to do. There's another kind of level, another step, another kind of way to engage for all of us. Right. Uh, whether we're on the, whichever end of the spectrum we're on, you know, and something that amazes me and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. When you think about prisons, okay. one of the, <laughs> gonna, I've never been to ride prison. It out. Uh, they, they haven't caught me yet, but one of the the punishments in prison is solitary confinement. Yeah. And if ever there were a place maybe you'd appreciate being getting some alone time, right. being separated from some of the of the characters you got around you, yeah. you would think that that would be it. And yet we are so relational that regardless of um the uh, the challenges of, of being in that environment, it's, it's still worse to be isolated yeah. and to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. And even to that point too, like we also serve, not only is our, our God relational, but our God like cares about the physical. And I think that like face to face interpersonal relationship has value. And I think scripture teaches us that. I mean, when we look at the sacraments, you know, or the ordinances or what do you, whatever you want to call them in whatever faith tradition you have, but you know, typically we think of, um, you know, baptism and communion. Those are outward signs, right? Mm -hmm. Those are, those are things that we do together in community to, you know, typically that's done with, but it's also like, these are very physical things that are happening in real time, right mm -hmm. in front of us that we can taste, smell, you know, look at, touch, we can do all those things. And I feel like that's, you know, our relationships need to be that way too. Cause God is doing that so that our relationship is better with him. Like he, like that is, that is his, like, you know, however often you do it, that's, that's your reminder of what he has done and all these things. So I think it's, you know, that, that to me, this is also a plug for relationships to be not, not to say that digital isn't, there's not value in that and there's not benefits from it. I think, I think there are though, 
you know, looking at it as a whole, I'd say mixed bag, maybe not good overall, but still, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I love that I can like FaceTime my missionary friends. And, yeah. And these there's, there's like awesome parts about it, but like even think about like the worship experience, actually step back. Taylor Swift. What, what's everyone talking about all summer long? Everyone is selling kidneys to get tickets to this like eras tour all over the United States, all over the globe. You could watch it. You can see her. She's got videos all over of her singing and dancing. People are still spending thousands of dollars. Why? Because it feels different to be in the building yeah. with other people singing, dancing, experience stuff. Sunday worship, the exact same thing. You can do it on Zoom. Sometimes we had to. For a season, we all had to. But now it's like, what? why would we not want to gather with these people, lift our voices? Together? It's just, it's it hits different, as the kids say. If they still say that, I don't really know. I'm not hip. I'm old. I'm 40 now. Um, but it's just different being in the room with other people, worshiping God together, praying together, experiencing like just, I don't know, the, the gathering of the saints together. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Sidebar on Taylor Swift's popularity. Dave, permission? Sure. All right. So her next tour for next year. Is this, you're not going to, this isn't going to be Taylor Swift slander, is it? Cousin Taylor? Okay. Would I ever? Go, go no. ahead. Go ahead. Now, I mean, I, I we also have a Swift among us. Yeah, right I'll here. slander a little bit. She hasn't been around for Thanksgiving in a long time. Um, but the her next tour tickets they did not go on sale yet. But you had to apply for the opportunity. If you think my wife them. didn't have a laptop open in the bathroom while she was drying her hair to watch the countdown, Last to see uh, this was there were some that released in Indianapolis. Or before I got here on Saturday. Okay. So it would have been Thursday, Friday. And she's like, I'm like, what are you? I walked in. She's drying her hair with the laptop on the bathroom counter. She's like, what's happening? She's like, oh, well, I'm in line to put my email in to maybe get on the list to get another email about the tickets. I have a friend that was thrilled by being waitlisted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Waitlisted for the opportunity to purchase tickets for mm-hmm. a concert eight hours away. It's wild. That is, I mean... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I realize like it, there have always been bands that drove crazy levels of demand Nothing for like concerts this, and so forth. That's crazy. But yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's a uh, something to compare this. I was to. listening to a podcast actually going to the coffee shop today. Uh, Bill Simmons, uh, the Podfather, they call sure. him, and he was talking. He was trying to remember. He's like in his fifties, and he was talking about like Michael Jackson's tour after Thriller. I can't remember the name of the tour. But he was like, even that, like you could get tickets to, and then like Springsteen had Born in the USA. And he was like, huge album, but even that, like just the cultural conversation and she's selling tickets for a concert again, a calendar year year away. It's truly wild and remarkable. And I, I I wish I could go, you know, (laughs) I, she, I'm hoping my, my wife, I've texted with her all week long, but she has not said yay or nay, whether she got tickets or not. I'm hoping she's going to surprise me when I get home and be like, Hey, guess what? We're going. Not that I really want to go, but tell her cousin Peter says hi. I will. will. I'll make a sign. My daughter. She really wants to take my daughter. So, but I, I I am a big, big fan of her music. I mean, who, who isn't? Right. And sorry, Dave. I get the feeling you maybe aren't a fan of her music. I. I just be honest here. Fire off another hot take. Opposed to her music. Okay. But I've I've never uh, fanboyed out. Okay. Of can you can you give us a Taylor Swift album title? Uh, just 1989. Okay. That's right. That, yeah, that, that'll do. That'll do. It's a good one. Anyway, look what you made me do. Sorry. I mean, uh, awesome. Oh, yes. well good, good, good job. See dude. what I did there. Well done. Uh, I'll, so I, 
Before we wrap up here, because we're already coming up on an hour, um, I did want to ask you, Trey, as we're thinking about friendship, and we've alluded it, alluded to it at times in this podcast, but it's it's always interesting to hear the perspective of an outsider mm-hmm. coming into to Camp Susqua, especially our staff. What what advantages or disadvantages do you see in in serving on a team like? the one here at Susqua for forming those kinds of friendships. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine there's a disadvantage. I wouldn't think Um, Peter can maybe speak to that. I haven't seen it for a long time over a number of years to me. And I've tried to like, as we've been doing devotionals, like in in the morning before we get things going at 7am, it's real early, but it's okay. It's fine. This is a safe place. (laughs) Um, It's, I've tried to just remind them kind of time after time, even before I jump into scripture, like this is a special thing you guys get to do. This is a special place. It's a special thing. It's a special task. It's a special opportunity. And I think they are really unique friendships that you're developing here. Um, it's super intense. Um, I, I, how long is the season? Eight, 10 weeks, something like that for a summer. Depends. Anyone have, five have, to 16 weeks. Okay. It really depends on the person. So, I mean, it, it really is like a crucible to form friendship in like high pressure, high heat. Like th- there's a lot of work. There's, um, they have fun. Every time I see them, any staff person, they're smiling. Uh, I was telling Dave last night, one of the coolest things I expect there to be like relationships among the staff, uh, the counselors and everything else. What's really cool is I see people hanging out. It's not just like a pocket that the, the four people who are together all the time, like I'll see one guy hanging out with these four people. They're laughing they're chatting. They're having a good time. The next time I see him, he's doing the same thing, but it's like a whole nother group of people. So it's not like you guys are even quarantining off into these little like, you know, cliques and groups. And these are the cool kids. And these are like the nerds and these are the gaming people. And these are the musicians and these are the council. Everyone seems like super happy to hang out with whoever is there. Um, and they all seem really gracious. They all seem really humble. They're all happy to do uh, again. I'm sure there's some not fun jobs here. Like someone told me they cleaned out something called a shower trailer the other day. I haven't seen the shower trailer. I don't want to see the shower trailer. Uh, I was like, how's it going? They're like, it was a little gross. And I was like, that makes sense. But you know what? They they were smiling when they were telling me about it. And they were like, it's fine. I'm going to go do something else now. The sun's shining, like whatever. Um, so, yeah, this is like a unique perspective. And it's really easy probably to take for granted, I would think, because you just don't know. I, I don't know. It's weird. Like ministry is kind of like this time in a church, time in like a church plant, time in like, I don't know. You get to see God move in really neat, really unique, really kind of one-off ways. And then it just kind of stops sometimes, or like you're removed for whatever reason you get married and have a kid. And then all of a sudden you can't come to camp or you get married and the other person has a camp that they go to, like you were talking about before. And all of a sudden, you so that guy doesn't get to go back to his camp. He's coming to Susquehanna now. (laughs) So like his special experience over wherever it was, yeah, whatever that, that camp was, we're not going to name it because there's no free ads here except for M and M's. Um, like, that's that's gone for him not in like a bad way but like you know he didn't he probably didn't ever think he probably assumed he was going to take his kids to that camp for forever and now he's not he didn't know that going in so like you you kind of never know when the party's over so you just you're enjoying it as long as you can as long as like you can kind of hang out in the pocket and god is doing his thing but i don't know like who uh jam and eric 
he got a job in Idaho. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that if it's confidential or not, but like they're moving. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're going to be back. You don't know if they're going to be back. I'm sure they'd love to be back in the summers. Who knows? We didn't think they'd be here this summer. So right. This, so, this was already the bonus summer. Exactly. And so like you, you just kind of assume things are going to last forever until they don't and it's over. And so just to, to be able to really enjoy and press in and lean into what God's doing in these relationships, like as, as they're right here in front of you is like a really special thing. And so just trying to encourage them to soak it in and soak it up as long as they can. Um, I mean, again, God is not unkind in taking people away from here. Like he's setting them on new adventures and new trajectories and new ministries and new people's lives to, to touch and press into. But it's just, you know, especially when you're young, like you, you don't, you don't get those opportunities back, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. not that I'm super old, but I I am 40. I think I've mentioned that twice now. (laughs) Um, and like, you know, there's certain things I'm not going to get to do again, probably. And that's, that's okay. Um, there's new things that I do get to do. So anyway, yeah, you're probably not going to be a camp counselor. again. Probably not going to be a camp counselor again. And where else are you going to get paid to square dance on a Tuesday night in August in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Pennsylvania. Any tea berry ice cream. Ooh, I did have speaking of tea berry ice cream. Hard pass. This this leads into the the next uh, question. So this is your, um, and this is somewhat a wrap up thing, Dave. I'm sorry to, to keep this Dave, going. Dave's further. sweating right now. He's no, like, is this fine. SD card going to make maybe, it? Maybe we'll split know. this one, get some extra content out of, out of So, uh, coming in brand new, both to Camp School and to Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, I'm just curious for some, some camp, like you you this is you, Jared Kennedy might've ta- told you a little bit about what this place is like. You, you saw our website, social media, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but I just I just want your hot takes on Susquehanna, and I mean you can even broaden it to Pennsylvania a little bit. Um, but I mean I want I want the good, the bad, and the ugly. I, obviously, we got the ugly with Teaberry ice cream, and like honestly, I'm a Pennsylvanian, and I'm never leaving Pennsylvania. I love this place. I will. I'm never leaving North Central Pennsylvania. That's um, a commitment and, right there, uh, folks. I'm sorry. I said that's a commitment right there, folks. Oh yeah, there's <laughs> probably the hopefully Peter never Swift leave. guarantee. Yeah. yeah. But like I, I'm Pennsylvania through and through. I don't care for tea berry ice cream. I really don't. I get it. I'm, Same. It's not. It wasn't great. Yeah. I think I told Dave last night. I was like, it tastes like if you had wintergreen gum in your mouth and then you slugged like five ounces of Pepto Bismol. The mix of the yeah. medicinal chalky with the slight mint. Just it's gross. It's yeah. a little extra sugar in there. There's it's a little sweeter than Pepto Bismol, but I mean, not much. Not much. I will like if the options are tea berry ice cream or no ice cream. I'm probably picking tea berry ice cream because it's ice cream. But you're gonna think about it. Yeah, I will. You're I, gonna I, have I to make like, a choice. Yeah, yeah. But but anyhow, so hot takes on uh, Pennsylvania hot takes. Good, Susquehanna. bad, ugly, and Susquehanna. Um Pennsylvania driving in looks a lot like Kentucky until you get to like the mountains here, and then it's uh, Kentucky's not quite that hilly, not quite that mountainy. At least where I'm at over in Western Kentucky. Um, weather here in Pennsylvania here in Camp Susquehanna couldn't say if it's been a fluke or what it's been awesome like I left Louisville it was 90 degrees and I would like basically be covered in a sheen of sweat walking to my mailbox and back it's not a long walk we lived in a subdivision it's not like we're I'm walking a mile on a farm to get to a mailbox uh so it was a real breath of fresh air to come up here and just feel like a cool breeze blow for the first time in like six months it's been since the fall uh so that was really great or since the spring I guess um, that was awesome. Uh, the place is beautiful. Uh, the grounds are really nice. Like you guys do a great job keeping everything up. All the little flower beds are manicured and everything's blooming right now. And the, the hanging flower baskets, it's really good. Uh, food at Susquehanna has been really good. I'm trying to think 
we had Thanksgiving dinner last night, which I was not expecting. Thanksgiving dinner is one of my like top three favorite meals of the year every year. So the fact that I got to have it twice with like stuffing and rolls and turkey, the whole thing, delightful. Um, what else? Uh, I don't really have any bad things to say. Uh, the cabin is rustic. That's like a nice way to say old, right? Um, but yeah, the accommodations are nice. I have my own like room. I have an extra bunk bed, in fact, because my family's not here. So there's all this like... I was talking to so much room for activities. I know. I was FaceTiming with my daughter last night. She's like, are you staying with other people? And I was like, no, there's just like an extra bed. Like anyway, but yeah, you guys gave me a desk to work at. It's all very like, you know, it's all very nice. We're sitting in a very cushy library right now, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't get to do the hike. So I'm excited to do that. Uh, I hiked down by the Creek a little bit short one there and back. It was really lovely. It rained the day before. So there's like a real babbling brook, kind of vibe down there, which was cool. Um, but got about 250 feet into a hike up to the top of the mountain and like a storm blew in and we had to cancel. So, uh, I, I did not get to see what is it? Um, not rattlesnake lookout. lookout. I did not get to do the lookout hike. So I may just fly solo up there tomorrow just to, to kind of check it out if it's not raining again. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. great. I, I love it. I love everything about it. It's super nice, easy to get to not a lot of traffic. He took yeah. me to Williamsport, so I got to see like the baseball stadium where they play little league games. And nice. I went to a Wegmans for the first time today. It was <laughs> very fancy. Uh, a lot of sandwiches available at Wegmans. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it solid was good. grocery store. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, no notes, no notes. You guys, great. Are well, that. thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Lots actually, of swag. There's swag everywhere. If you can hear this rattle, that's from a, a nice. delight, a di- delightfully. Uh, chilled out yeti that has a camp susco logo on it yeti mug i got a hat i got a shirt like just every day i come back to my room there's like another susco i got a sticker just susco stuff Mm -hmm. as far as the eye can see so yeah it's great nice well it sounds like thankfully you're having a, a good experience here so far so i wanted to to close we end each podcast with Thankfuls, and so I know you've been involved in maybe just one you caught on on Saturday on your way in. I don't know if you've yes. been to any other, but uh, so so to review the the rules, it's got to be from the last twenty four hours. Okay. It has to be specific, and there are no repeats. Mm. So that that said, we'll we'll give you the um, the position of honor of going first. You nice. don't even have to to nice. worry about repeats. Uh. I'm thankful for just like, yeah, I'm thankful for a chance to be here. So it's, uh, again, it's been 20 some odd. Let's not put a number on it. It's been a long time since I've been at camp uh, as a, as a high school student. And so it's really good to be back, hear people singing, yelling, kids running around, parents being involved, chance to listen to the word sung and preached and prayed. It's been, it's been really, really fun to feel like I'm, I don't know, it makes me feel young again, you know, to be around all you, you young whippersnappers running around doing mm. the work of, of Camp Susquehanna here. It's great that you feel that way. I don't know, Peter. It sounds a little little vague, like you were trying to fit a lot into... I'm thankful that one. I got to see my first square dance last night. Mm. How about that? All right, there we go. That, that'll do. That checks. Yeah. yeah. Well, Peter, what are you thankful for today? Oh, man. I was hoping you'd go with me next. I was afraid that if you went next, you would steal mine. I'm thankful... Dave, I'm thankful for your new shoes. Ah, 
Uh, with, and you, I'm thankful you for the, the, they're, the they're Brooks running shoes the, with bright orange laces, kind of a navy situation with like a white sole. They're they're sharp. Yeah. Looks like you go run. I don't know five six miles. Yeah, they're. they're I can I, look like I run very easily. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, it's an inter- Dave's personality is starting to be defined by his shoes, um, whether he likes it or not. But I really appreciate that. Like you're leaning in. On the bright colored shoes. Now, this is yeah. more of a bright Dave, accent. On Dave and I had the same conversation yesterday. Yeah. He was like, because his other shoes that he's got are like basically like Skittles just exploded on a shoe in the best yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. They're awesome. Bright colors everywhere. And he was like, Trey too has bright shoes. And we talked about bright shoes for a while. It was, it, it was it's true. Fun. I normally wouldn't have, you know, leaned into this is uh, a new move that that kind of bright colors but but yeah i've i've been wearing the the original pair uh aforementioned just like red orange blue yellow just all exploded on a on a shoe and so um it's it's been fun it's it's a good time I, i i get more compliments now uh this this might sound a little more pitiful than it it did in my head but i get more compliments now than i I normally do just for for wearing some really colorful shoes and yeah these um got some some blue with bright orange accent shoes on this is great radio just describing the color of people love a bright shoe i'm wearing black on black chalks for everybody that's wondering yeah they they just came in today put them on for the first time before i walked over here for the the pod they're great i love a bright shoe yeah Yeah. but now now i can't be thankful for them so we were even this morning we were talking about how bright and effective bright orange on blue is but we were referring to recycling signs on the recycling yeah. bins. And actually, we were how saying how ineffective, how, how ineffective they but were. Here, so. But here we have a, a, an example to the contrary. These are effective. This looks yes. good. I love it, Dave. I'm yeah. thankful for it. No ten, one will be throwing trash in my shoes. No. <laughs> or recycling. Um, so I am thankful for... I actually have to think now. I'll edit out the, the long pause. No, you <laughs> I'll just fill a long pause with just descriptions of all the books that are here. <laughs> okay, all right. So uh, I am thankful. Um, this this is different. Not that I watched Square Dancing, but that I was actually strong armed into participating in Square Dancing last night. Uh, Better you than me, as, Dave. Better you than me. <laughs> as Peter mentioned, it's the kind of thing that you dread ahead of time, and then once you're actually doing it. It's it's wildly fun. Once, so, really once those feet get moving, yeah. try, try to stop them. Try yeah. to stop Dave once he starts square dancing. That's right. I hate to admit how much fun you can have square dancing because the concept of it is just so... I, Awful. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's true. Well, thank you, Trey, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's okay. a lot of fun. Uh, around the proverbial campfire, the proverbial. as we say. You should get like a little uh, LED oh, yeah, know, there, fake there campfire that's, situation. That's Good idea for all the people to see Some, on the podcast for everyone to, to watch. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll get into YouTube eventually. I like it I here like and it. later. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. For more information about Camp Susqua, be sure to visit our website at susqua.org. Oh, give thanks to the Lord.